we'd like to welcome you back to part two of our current event and weekly Bible study for August 3rd, 2014. Next report as from Dave Hodges, West Africans could be streaming across the U.S. southern border carrying the Ebola virus. This just came out. Of course, pretty much all of these just came out, but I think this one came out in the last day. <clears throat> While appearing on my talk show, this is Dave Hodges talking, Dr. Jane Orient, an internal medicine specialist and executive director of the Association of American Physicians and Surgeons, clearly stated that Border Patrol informants told her that as many as 100,000, not 100, not 1,000, 100,000 West Africans are in Central America and have been taught to speak Spanish and are coming across our southern border. I had no idea about this. <clears throat> Dr. Orient further stated that the Ebola screening practices had not been implemented at the border with immigrants that were being detained. And we've talked about that already at length. Please note that the incubation period for Ebola is up to 21 days. So you could have it and not show signs for 21 days. You could get pretty far into America as a vector of the disease, meaning a carrier of the disease, and then 21 days later, you start showing signs. In Arizona, state officials learned that Obama had ordered ICE, uh, Immigration Custom Enforcement, to deliver unscreened illegal immigrants to the bus terminals in Phoenix and Tucson after their arrival. These are unscreened. And Obama's ordered this. So again, if it's wicked and evil... Our government, particularly through Obama, is going to be behind it. The same was true in several border state communities, and there was no evidence that any health screening had taken place. I'm not saying all the people associated with it are, are evil, but I'm talking about the orders they're getting from their higher-ups. That's where the problem is. Dr. Orient also learned that <clears throat> the Border Patrol has taken to laundering their own clothing at their work site because of the risk to their families. Meaning they don't even want to bring on their own dirty clothes because they're afraid they're going to infect their families with whatever they're coming in contact with all these illegal aliens, whether it's tuberculosis, whether it's scabies, whether it's lice, whether it's chicken box. You know, now we're dealing with Ebola potentially as well. A week after the Dr. Orient interview, I was traveling to San Diego for vacation. I had a chance to encounter... I had a chance to encounter with a Border Patrol agent in a convenience store in Yuma, Arizona. <clears throat> I think I might have been through there recently as well, because we were over there in that part of the country recently. Anyway, he said, I approached him, gave him my business card, promised not to use his name, and proceeded to ask him questions about the border. Uh, in a short five-minute conversation, he told me the Border Patrol officials are contracting drug-resistant TB... Now, these are what the Border Patrol agents are catching, okay? Drug-resistant tuberculosis, scabies, and bacterial pneumonia. When I told him of Dr. Orient's claim that the Border Patrol officials had told her that they were concerned over West Africans, which is where the Ebola outbreak is, a lot of it's taking place, that they were crossing our border, he said that he was indeed aware that West Africans were crossing our border, but he did not know in what numbers, Nearly 10 days later, that Border Patrol agent contacted me at the number on my business card, and this time he had a partner on the phone. Both agents confirmed that the number of West Africans crossing our border matched Dr. Orient's revelation. 
uh, meaning 10,000. Or no, no, 100,000. <laughs> wow. Further, they confirm the presence of United Nations and World Health Organization's officials at the detention centers because they're the ones that are really wanting this to go hot and live. The UN and the World Health Organization. Anything having to do with, with pandemics and things of that nature, they want to be there at ground zero because they want to make sure that it happens. Okay, because the UN is basically going to be the backbone of the of the new world order, and they they want to be on the spear tip, making sure that this goes down, some type of pandemic or multiple pandemics at the same time. I mean, can you imagine it was multiple? Let's say it's not only Ebola, but then it's a host of other things that you know, and a lot of them are different symptomatologies, a lot of them are different treatments, a lot of them are different supposed vaccines. I mean, can you imagine the mess that they could create? And mess is putting it very lightly. So, they're confirming, and I've confirmed this in other teachings I've done recently, that the UN and the World Health Organization officials are at the detention centers, and they were signed to after they were taken off actual field duty and assign clerical duties. Because the last thing we want to do when we have illegal aliens pouring across the border is to have border patrol agents. No, no. Obama says, let's reassign them to clerical duties. Because we don't really need you on the border now. I mean, we got a good thing going down there. We got hundreds of thousands potentially streaming across the border of all ethnicities streaming across the border. Now we're seeing West Africans as well. You've got your Islamic terrorists, you've got your Sinaloa drug cartels, you've got MS-13 gangs, you've got all of the other drug cartels with their drug mules, things like that. You have all of these people that are potential vectors for carrying TB and all other manner of, of diseases. You know, come one, come all, the more the merrier. And this is, I mean, this is what Satan's doing, essentially. This is why a big reason why it's being done, to have a excuse for why all these pandemics have, have come about. You know, oh yeah, we just couldn't contain the border, even though we took our border patrol all off their all off their assignments and now their clerical duties and, and uh, we've reduced their funding and, and we've totally hamstrung them in their ability to, um, you know, do their job and, and, you know, it's all by design, every bit of it. <clears throat> so, Going back to the report, it says this is called double sourcing the information originally presented by Dr. Orient, meaning he got confirmation from these Border Patrol agents. Adding fuel to this fire is a statement that comes from the chairman of the National Association of Former, former Border Patrol Officers, Zach Taylor, who states that West African illegal immigrants are presently coming into the U.S. through Mexico. So he's saying it too. These West Africans have been... I mean, they also have Chinese. So much so that they've literally got signs there that they've posted that are in Mandarin when these illegal aliens are crossing the border because they want to make it as easy as possible. So they've got multiple signs, like some in um, Spanish, some in Mandarin, and then one other language. I I just heard this like today or yesterday. Probably Arabic for the for the terrorists because they want to make sure they get through here. You know, turn right at, at you know the corner of Fifth and Elm, and make sure you proceed to you know whatever 
because we want to make your stay here as comfortable as possible before you carry out your draconian mission of whatever that may be, transporting drugs or transporting some deadly biological agent or some terroristic bomb or, you know, whatever. We hope you enjoy your stay here, you know. Anyway, let's go further. So, uh, these West Africans have already been apprehended in the Rio Grande Valley sector for the last few years. See, I just get this really bad feeling that a lot of this is, is just been planned for a long, long time, and they're at the terminal end of that plan, and they're really getting ready for this to go hot. I hope I'm wrong, but boy, it just sure seems that way, with as aggressive of a stance as they have taken to making sure these borders are wide open. Some of these West African groups have been taught to speak Spanish in order to infiltrate into the United States, posing as Central American immigrants. This speaks to planning and collusion that some of these groups were taught to speak Spanish so they will blend in with other illegal immigrant groups. This is another piece of evidence that is coming that a coming series of pandemics has some governmental agency fingerprints on this invasion. Smart one, smart money would say that the CIA is involved. Absolutely. Zach Taylor's revelation is confirmed by one of my DEA sources through the revelation of circumstantial evidence. My insider DEA source has confirmed that the Sinaloa and the Los Zetas Mexican drug cartels received their weapons and drugs in Peru from a drug cartel known as Sanchez Paredes. This cartel has been around since 1976 and is protected by the Peruvian army. The Sanchez Paredes have strong ties to Hamas. Okay, this is where it gets interesting. And other terror organizations, including the drug trafficking corridor coming out of West Africa. Okay, so now we have a Mexican drug cartel with strong ties to the Islamic terrorist organization Hamas and includes drug which includes the drug trafficking corridor coming out of West Africa. So now we have this connection established. West Africa where Ebola is. The West African drug operatives are often used as couriers for guns and drugs. The drug trade in West Africa is tied to Hamas, the Muslim Brotherhood, Al-Qaeda, and now probably ISIS. All of the most radical or maybe you could add Hezbollah in there too, all of the most radical factions of Islam that are literally just the ones going around killing, beheading, chopping up, with no regard for human life whatsoever. If you saw my email I put out the other day, I mean, these people are just satanic animals, demon-possessed vessels of Satan. I don't understand how, like, those guys in the, in the first video I sent out, and they're sitting there, uh, like, begging for their lives, and they just march them into that field, and they just start pumping bullets into their backs and into their heads. I normally don't watch videos like that, but I watched that one. It, it's like the righteous indignation. It's like, and these people were probably Muslims they were shooting. You know, and I, I was just, I mean, you see, like, when they pump around into them, their body... You know, like, even though they're dead, it, it has that concussive force. 
and it's like, and then they, and then they had them, and they were, they were, they were bringing them on that dock, one by one, and shooting them in the back of the head, and then throwing them in the water, one by one. And there was a literal, little river of blood there that they had created because they were doing that on that dock. The absolute utter disregard for human life that these sick, twisted, satanically possessed vessels of Satan have. You can't put anything past a person like that. And because they think they're doing it for the glory of Allah, they think that they're doing right. They think that they're doing something just wonderful and good and pure. And they have the audacity, one of the guys in the video where they were shooting them in the back of the head, one by one, just in, you know, one every five, ten seconds, the one guy came and the back of his shirt was pulled up slightly and they blurred it because they didn't want to arouse anything sexual in any person viewing the video. What? They're the biggest stinking hypocrites on the planet. Here, I have multiple videos of them having, and I don't mean like close-up videos, but you could see like thermal imaging cameras of them having uh, sexual relations with goats, sheep, and stuff like that. And then you have the whole thing about the Dancing Boys of Afghanistan that we've got into where there's a whole BBC thing on there where they take these little boys and dress them up like girls and you know, um, they go to the highest bidder and they become their little sex slaves. And, I mean, there's all these, you know, hundred guys around drooling over one little boy, dancing like a woman, dressed up like a woman. I mean, you got to be really, really, really sick in the head to be getting into something like that, okay? You know, they, they do things that would make a pedophile blush. Taking child brides like their, like their leader, Muhammad, who took his bride, Aisha, at six years old, was it? And supposedly didn't consummate the marriage till nine. Oh, what a guy, what a guy, even if we can believe anything that fork-tongued devil ever wrote. Or no, it was three years old, I'm sorry. Three years old. You know, and the, and the Ayatollahs and these bragging about having sex with little girls and taking them as, as temporary wives so they could have sex with them for one night and defile them. And they give them back to their parents the next morning. I've told you that story before. I mean, there, there's, the stories go on and on and on. The female genital mutilation they do to the little girls at the earliest possible ages. The suppression of women. And these, these people are the biggest stinking hypocrites on the planet. And yet they have, they say, oh, we have to blur. This, this guy had his, his shirt like, like a little bit up his back or something. And it was blurred out so that it would, wouldn't arouse any sexual. Number one, I don't have any sexual arousal if I see a guy's back, a little bit of his, I don't, I don't have any sexual arousal at all, seeing a guy ever. Why would you even think that? Unless your mind had been so darkened with sin, and you were so evil, that you figured that had to be done. And, but it's okay to show them blowing their brains out, and then throwing their water, their, their, their bodies into the water like trash. That's okay! That's okay! But we well, make sure you, you don't have any any bare skin showing because you know you, you might somebody might get the wrong idea. They had a video the other day or a thing the other day where this one Ayatollah dude or whatever, um, one of those imams says women should not smile in public. And then a whole bunch of these Muslim women, I think they were outside of the system, 
I don't know if they were Muslim, but I think they were, posted all these things on, like, I don't know, social networks, where they were smiling, just to, like, say, no, we're not going to do that. How do they not smile? You devil hypocrites. I mean, you, you commit the biggest abominations, literally, on the planet. You kill Christians, you behead people, you put their heads on sticks and parade them around. You're so proud of this. You defile little girls, little boys, you do every manner of, of evil on the planet, and yet you strain at a gnat and swallow a camel like Jesus said in the Bible. I have never seen such a black devil death cult strain at gnats and swallow a camel. Meaning they major on minors and minor on majors. Everything about that death cult is just so far off the the scale evil. And it's only getting worse. And yet the corporate church, for the most part, pretty much stays silent about it. Well, they're all part of the big plan. They're all, they're all ultimately part of the big plan to bring about a new world, new world order, a one world religion under Antichrist. At the top of the food chain they are. They may not be on a local level, like, okay, some, some corporate 501c3 church a person may attend. They may not be at that level. They may not know anything about it. They may say, I'll never go along. Maybe they won't go along with it. But, if they're part of an organization, part of a modern denomination, guaranteed the top of that dom- denomination's already been infiltrated. And that is their agenda. And that is why they're supposed to keep their mouth shut. And because they have that 501c3 thing, you're not supposed to say certain things or you're going to violate your, your IRS charter and you might lose your, uh, your IRS privileges. Get a slap on the hand from Satan. It's just, it's incomprehensible to me. The silence of, of the corporate church. Incomprehensible. This stuff's going on every day. And they pretty much don't say anything. I guess that's why I'm so in, in your face with the new e- email and newsletters I put out. I'm hoping to wake people up that maybe are asleep in these institutions and that they can see this just blatant, obvious satanic behavior. So, if we go further in this, uh, in this report, uh, let's see here. The drug trade in West Africa is tied to Hamas, the Muslim Brotherhood, Al-Qaeda, and probably ISIS. This is an ominous discovery because it now opens the possibility that Ebola could be purposely sent to the United States via West African drug couriers. An organization such as Hamas could arrange to have a number of West Africans to become exposed to the virus. And this could be done at the border. You could literally have them, the right person that knew the right thing, expose them near the border where they're not, they may not manifest symptoms for 21 days. Come in, get far into the interior, and then start. And then by that time, they're all Separate, they're all spread spread out across America. To expose them to the virus and then fast track them across the southern border under the guise of trafficking in drugs. And they, it would be even better if they didn't know they had been exposed because then they would just go about their, their everyday business. And they wouldn't look suspicious or anything. 
While the country remains fixated on the delivery of Ebola patients to the Emory Hospital in Atlanta, because that's where the spotlight is, okay? Oh, the guy, the one guy in Atlanta, the one doctor, which is bad, but there's so many more ways that this could be brought in. We are still ignoring the spread of Ebola through air travel as evidenced by the fact that our government is doing next to nothing. Well, it has set up some quarantine stations and things of this nature, but, you know, obviously if they're in that incubation period, they're not going to trigger any type of, of scrutiny unless they're saying, oh, you came from Sierra Leone or wherever, you know. Further, when one considers the growing body of evidence which shows that drug couriers from West Africa into the United States as part of the drug trade... How could people like Dr. Orient conclude that it is not a matter of if, but when Ebola has a foothold on our country? So that's, that's that report. Okay, so then the next report is entitled, Seven Facts You Should Know About Ebola, uh, Be Prepared for a Pandemic. <clears throat> How do you prepare for a pandemic? Well, the usual, plenty of food, water, first aid supplies, uh, face masks, but again, with face masks, you have to understand, with Ebola, I, yeah, I mean, if you only had one of those little cheap painter's masks, it's better than nothing, but remember, it only takes one aerosolized virus in the air to infect you. One of those little painter's face masks, ugh, maybe it's going to get lodged in there, but it's probably about the poorest choice you could use. Okay. You would want something, particularly because Ebola spreads by contact with the um, into the eyes or the mouth. Okay, you would want a gas mask, some type of biological gas mask that covered both eyes and mouth and sealed with a rubber seal to the skin. And if you had a beard, you better shave it off because you can't seal a rubber gasket to the skin through a beard. Can't do it. Okay, so if I got any Grizzly Adams guys out there, any manly men with beards, I'm sorry. I'm sorry to break that news to you there. Sorry, but that's the truth, and I mean, it could save your life, literally. So, um, I'm going to get into gas masks a little bit later. Uh, Also, if you had a biological suit, wouldn't it be a bad idea? I mean, if you could, I mean, they've got those where, if you could even get one now, I don't even know, but... Um, they've got basic ones that are like, you know, not like whatever level three, level four biohazard where, you know, you're going into whatever, but you never know. I mean, you never know that if, if we were on lockdown, whether that might be something you would need. Um, anyway, just something to keep in mind. I'm not saying the Lord can't protect you. I'm just saying these are things to consider, uh, And also other things for pandemic, something to keep your mind occupied in the event of your confined and close quarters, well, obviously, Bible, um, you know. Anyway, let's go further. It is also recommended, certain essential oils are also recommended some more than on that in a moment. We're going to talk about that. You should also be prepared to physically isolate yourself. If a pandemic is even rumored, isolate yourself from large crowds, avoid commercial air travel, and head out to your bug-out location if you have one. Um, Agreed. Obviously, probably most of us don't have a bug-out location. Um, 
but if you were in a situation where, let's say the virus was super, super prevalent in your area, you can literally take, um, go to uh, a place like Lowe's. I don't go to Home Depot because they're super pro-gay agenda. Or a local hardware store, which is even better if they have it, and buy some... It, it, in Florida, I always refer to it as Visqueen. But it's it's basically like what trash bags are made out of, except it's more heavy duty. And it's it's like that, um, you know, it's that material, but it's heavy dutier. Okay? And you can take that, and you can put it over the inside of your windows. Okay? And, I mean, I would do the whole, uh, probably where it sits in to the... Um, on the outside where, where like the window's here and then it comes out a little bit, just make sure that you seal it with, probably duct tape's going to be your best choice. You seal the window. Now, I understand that if you do that, you're going to cut off all air circulation in your house, and it may not be practical from the standpoint because you don't want to suffocate. So I understand there are limitations to that approach, and obviously you couldn't leave or go out or, or, um, you know, if you did it over your door and over the inside of your windows, that's obviously going to take away a lot of your options there. I'm saying that if you were in worst case scenario where it was like you were on lockdown, the vir- people were coming down with it right and left, and you have these things, and, and most people's houses are not airtight, which is a good thing because, you know, you want some air circulation. But these are some other things to think about. Um... Also, the indoor air quality. For that scenario, I would say your ozonator, a good ozonator, would be the best best thing to have. I'm going to get into that later um, because that will literally kill things like bacteria, viruses, mold, fungi in the air without it having to pass through a filter. I'll get into that later. Anyway, let's go further. Uh, <clears throat> you might remember Dr. James Hubbard from a recent Backdoor Survival Book Festival. He is the author of Living Ready Pocket Manual, First Aid Fundamentals for Survival. There's a link to that if you care to uh, look at that further. And also the book Duct Tape 9-11, the many amazing medical things you can do to tape yourself together. (laughs) Okay, so you can do a lot of things with duct tape. That's an interesting concept. I recommend having a lot of high-quality duct tape on hand in case of these scenarios, I have several rolls, and I don't mean the, the garbage kind. I mean a good quality duct tape, because um, you can, you never know, that, that can be a real lifesaver in certain scenarios. When I asked him about this, he pointed to some information posted on his website and gave me permission to share it on Backdoor Survival. Here are his thoughts including seven facts you should know about Ebola. And again, what I'm trying to do today is present like a broad perspective on what a lot of experts have said about this scenario. Not only the scenario of Ebola, but what to do in case there is a pandemic near where you are, what to do to protect yourself. And not just vitamins, but things like these things that I just mentioned and what we're going to talk about now. A new outbreak of Ebola is going on in Africa, and Doctors Without Borders is calling it an epidemic of a magnitude never seen before. Not because of the number of cases or deaths, there have been more in previous outbreaks. It's because of how the disease is spreading. In the past, Ebola has always stayed confined in a small region. This time, the same strain of the virus has been found infecting people several hundred miles away, um, away from the original area. 
The questions on the minds of many people who don't live in Africa are, could it come here? Well, my comment, it already has, thanks to the government. <laughs> and because we know that the one guy's in um, Atlanta, and I also just talked about the whole border scenario, which would be very easy to pull off. Ebola is a horrendous viral disease where the victims sometimes bleed out of every orifice before they die. Ebola is on the U.S. list of potential bioterror agents. That's because it's highly contagious and there's no vaccine or effective treatment. Well, according to Medically. <clears throat> also, though, although this is rare, people have traveled internationally with it before their symptoms started, including the United States. <clears throat> Remember, it has a 21-day incubation incubation period up to that. So, stopping the spread of Ebola, seven facts you should know. If Ebola comes to your country, here are some key facts you'll need to know to reduce your chances of getting it. Number one, it seems to start in animals and meat. It's thought that the disease starts in bats or monkeys. They can have the virus without getting sick. Then they infect other animals who usually do get sick. Uh... People kill the other animals and contract the virus while either preparing the meat or eating it poorly cooked. Then the virus starts spreading from person to person. Now, if you think about that report I did recently, key and outbreak, I'm pretty sure it would come up in the uh, keyword search box at contendingfortruth.com. That movie is a very, it's almost identical to what we're talking about here. It had Dustin Hoffman. Unfortunately, it was rated R. I think Morgan Freeman, Dustin Hoffman. At the time, it was a, a big deal. You know, those are major stars for that time period. And it was about, basically, a thing that... I mean, I even remember on the microscope slides they were putting up. I mean, it looked just like Ebola. Like, if you see it today, it looks just like it. Okay? Um, starting in Africa, through monkeys... The first time it started, they nuked the basically nuked the site. It looked like they nuked it, some small nuclear device, nuked the site. But then monkeys got away that had it, and then years, years, years later, it started up again from those same monkeys that infected a human, and then they brought it to America on a plane, and and then somebody got on a on a plane that one of the um, one of the person that persons that tended the monkey got on a plane got sick in the airport. I mean, it's all the stuff we're talking about today is in that show, Outbreak. I mean, everything, down to basically the Ebola thing, down to the monkeys, down to it starting in Africa, everything. So now, if the Illuminati telegraphs their punches, that might be ground zero, that movie. And in that particular scenario, it was like, you know, the whole world was was doomed. You know, the way that they were projecting this, the spreading of this thing. So, um, serious, serious, serious predictive programming in that show, Outbreak, with uh, Dustin Hoffman and, and Morgan Freeman and a lot of other uh, Hollywood stars. So, <clears throat> something to think about. Number two, after exposure, Ebola can kick in early or late. After someone's infected, the symptoms can start anywhere from 2 to 21 days. So it's a big variable there. 2 to 21 days, they start experiencing symptoms. Okay. Um, Three, Ebola doesn't spread exactly like the flu. 
you can be contagious before you get sick. Okay, in the flu, I'm sorry, if you have just the regular flu, you can be contagious before you get sick. Okay. I'm sorry, I kind of messed up on my thing there. Now, with Ebola, you're not contagious until you have symptoms. So, I guess that's good and it's bad, you know. Uh, It allows somebody to get further into the country without having any symptoms, but once they do have symptoms, then they're bad. Um, Then they can get everybody else sick. With the flu, the virus can spread through fluid droplets in the air, like from a sneeze. Okay, Ebola can also spread this way, even though they say that's not really the way. Yes, but it can. Okay, yeah, you might, you're going to need to be in some type of close proximity, airplane being the best, because it's all recirculating air. But, um, you know, just bear that in mind. Ebola, number four, Ebola is highly contagious. You can catch it by coming in direct contact with any bodily fluids, including blood, Semen, urine, saliva, vomit, feces, and aerosolized sneeze. Five, symptoms make prevention more difficult. <clears throat> symptoms make it hard for caregivers not to come in contact with those bodily fluids. Yeah, I mean, you'd literally have to be in a full biological suit to treat, to like be a caregiver to one of these people. This is why it's really, really hard why the doctors and the nurses keep getting sick from it. And if it only takes one virus particle in the air to infect a person, <laughs> it's really, really easy to spread. There's profuse vomiting and diarrhea. The victim's blood can't clot, so you can't stop bleeding from the smallest scrape, prick, or bruise. Sometimes people spontaneously bleed out of their nose, mouth, rectum, or urethra. Sorry I'm so graphic, but that's how it goes with this. Six, Ebola is still contagious after symptoms stop or the victim dies. In other words, Ebola doesn't stop being contagious with death or recovery. Victims' dead bodies still carry the disease, and people who recover may continue to be contagious for up to two months or more. That's something to seriously bear in mind about, too. Because just because you're over, it doesn't mean you're not still infecting everybody. Seven, there there are ways to protect yourself. It's essential to protect yourself at all times if you're caring for someone who may have the disease so you don't come in contact with bodily fluids. Basically, cover yourself in impermeable products from head to toe. Think goggles, mask, disposable gown, gloves, and shoe covers. Really, honestly, you would want to wear (laughs) some type of face gas mask, biological gas mask, because you want to seal around your eyes and your mouth. All it would take is one Potentially one virus, you know, I'm just saying, potentially, to get through, um, even if you're wearing goggles and masks, that's not, that is not foolproof. Uh, Disposable gown, gloves, shoe covers, if you're using needles, use them only once and dispose of them immediately. Also, disinfect your environment. Clean any furniture, walls, or floors with a disinfectant like chlorine bleach solution before future use. This may not be possible during a long-term disaster, but do the best you can. Now, essential oils for protection from Ebola and other viruses. In addition to healing, I am a huge believer in using essential oils to build up immunity in order to prevent sickness. I'm not so sure how much the essential oils are going to build up your immunity like the vitamins I talked about. 
how much they're literally going to feed your primary immune system, I think it can have an effect on them like an herb, okay? Like echinacea, you know, uh, St. John's wort is a very, is a powerful antiviral as well. <clears throat> Such oils would be, but they work in a different way than vitamins and minerals would work in building up your own primary immune system. They are good, you know, they are very good though. So, in addition to healing, uh, okay, I already said that. I use essential oils myself, and through trial and error, I learn what works and what doesn't. I, I read as much as I can, so what I can learn in, uh, so that I can learn and make informed choices. All that being said, I keep a spray bottle with Shield Protective Blend and Witch Hazel with me at all times to use as a hand and gizmo sanitizer. Gizmo meaning like TV controller phone, stuff like that, okay? I'll get more into what that is in a second. I spray it everywhere, including on my phone, my keyboard, my pillows, and bedding, and more. If I feel a sniffle or a runny nose coming on, an essential oil blend goes in the diffuser 24-7. That's another thing you can think about doing, getting a essential oil diffuser. Now, like I said, I think the easiest way to go about that is to get a really good home or... Um, uh, uh, ozonator, a high quality one, because you're not going to have to worry about running a diffuser 24-7. You're going to go through some serious essential oils if you run a diffuser, and it's only going to treat like one room. It's not going to treat your whole house. If you had a really good ozonator running in your house and it was near like the central air return where it pulled up air up in there, you would not only be treating pretty much your whole house, but you'd be treating your ducts as well, and ducts are a place that things can form. So, while I like what she's saying, I think the other's more practical. Uh, I like the diffuser idea, but again, diffusers can go through some serious essential oils, okay? And essential oils are not cheap. They're expensive, especially good quality ones. Uh, I think if you had been exposed or you knew somebody was coming in your house potentially that may have been exposed, yeah, you might want to bring them in a room where your essential oil diffuser is running 24-7. Or not 24-7, but wherever they're at because it'll literally sanitize there. But ozone, I believe, would do something very similar if not even better. Okay, so I'm just trying to give you some options here. So, I'm going to get into the ozonator a little bit later. Uh, <clears throat> one thing I did when I, when the recent Ebola headlines hit was do some research to find that specifically addressed Ebola and essential oils. I have been, I have had some help, but neither one of us could pull up any verified studies. On the other hand, there have been some studies and articles linking cinnamon and Ebola. I like cinnamon, um, I like the cinnamon because it's in the shield blend that we're going to talk about in a second. Uh, it contains cinnamon bark in addition to clove, lemon, eucalyptus, and rosemary. These are essential oils. Uh, if you're ever dealing with cinnamon, though, by itself, just remember that stuff, wow, what can it light you up? Don't get it near your eyes or any, like, sensitive parts of your body, like armpits, anything like that, probably neck. Woo! Cinnamon can really light you up. Very, very, very powerful stuff. 
Okay, so just be careful with cinnamon. Uh, I plan to keep, because I've been doing a lot with essential oils for like years, and I, I kind of know what I'm talking about there. I plan to keep searching for some credible information on the use of essential oils to mitigate Ebola. But in the meantime, any of the antiviral and antibacterial essential oils would be good to have on hand. I agree. Some examples are thyme, melaleuca, oregano, cinnamon, and of course the shield blend. We'll talk about that in a second. Uh, how to make a an essential oil protective spray. I think this is really a good idea, what she's saying. I like the concept of those little personal ozonators. You can go up on like um, eBay or do a search online, find them, personal um, ozonators. Just do a key keyword search. And it's literally putting ozonated air in your breathing space. Uh, now, granted, that's not foolproof, but it's sure better than nothing. And if you combine that with some type of um, mask, it depends on the scenario you're in. I mean, you know, you're, you're just gonna you're going to be everything you do. You're going to be um, putting yourself in a position where you're much less likely to contract something in that scenario. Okay, um, let's go further here. How to make an essential oil spray? Here's a recipe I use to make what's called the Shield Protective Spray. This spray makes a terrific hand sanitizer, room freshener, and all-around disinfectant and protectant. Take a two-ounce glass spray bottle. Now, the cool thing about this, I just saw this, uh, I just um, did this last night. She has links to the specific site you can go to to buy this. I like it because it's all on one site. Um, So, Take a two-ounce glass spray bottle. There's a link here. It's going to be on page eight of the PDF for um, August third, two thousand fourteen. Two-ounce glass spray bottle. It's it's a, a in a it's like a dark blue type of spray bottle. So any kind of UV light that gets through won't break down any of the stuff inside. It's just better that way. It's it's more of a protective thing. And then you add thirty drops of Sparks Nat Natural Shield Blend. Okay, and I'm going to click on this right now and go to that. And this looks, I mean, I read the, 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 I think the company's a Christian company, and they look like they've got some quality products. Um, don't buy anything from Young Living, if you can. Young Living is Gary Young. They make, they were the first ones that came out with this concept. They called their product Thieves. I used to be a member of Young Living. But then I realized that Gary, Gary Young, the president of it, which is a multi-level, which, you know, you get into the greed factor, you get into the pyramid scheme, you get into just all that garbage, okay? Um, he is a literal descendant of Brigham Young. He admits this openly. I've heard him say it in his lectures, okay? He, one time he said, yeah, I'm, they, they just sometimes they call me a chip off the old block. Chip off the old block, he was referring to as Brigham Young, okay? He's a Mormon New Ager that basically blasphemes Jesus Christ and says things about him, not in any supposedly mean way, just things that are of very, very pagan, blasphemous origin about Jesus Christ. I've heard him say it. I've heard his audios. I know what I'm talking about. I don't have anything to do with them um, anymore. This was a long time ago. Um, and I always, I never advise anybody buy anything from them because you're basically giving money to a corrupt company. Now, this one, I'm on this page. It's called Shield Protective Blend. I would advise you getting the larger bottle. It's twenty eight eighty for the bottle. 
and that's going to give you a lot of drops, and you might want to buy more than that, okay? It's a 15-milliliter bottle. I know it doesn't sound like a lot, but you'll have, you'll have enough to make a lot of this, this um, protective blend that they're in reference to. It is a combination, <clears throat> well, uh, this is based on an ancient legend that has its roots, roots in 15th century England during the time of the Great Plague. Grave robbers, who were thieves, developed their own blend of clove, cinnamon bark, lemon, eucalyptus, and rosemary to protect themselves while robbing plague victims. This is really, they really did this. This potent blend only contains the essential oils and no carrier oil. Which is good. That means it's it's concentrated. Okay? So you can use it aromatically, like in a diffuser. You can use it topically, um, like over an area that you think might have been infected. Um, it even can be consumed. Um, not to say you're going to want to do a ton of this, but you could you could put a little bit in a capsule. You could hit your mouth with a little bit of this stuff. I don't know how it would taste, but probably not that great. But anyway... Um, I would highly recommend that. One more thing you could do. So you take 30 drops of the Sparks Natural Shield Blend. You put it in this 2-ounce glass spray bottle. I'll give you a link to it. You can even buy the spray bottle. Um, and then you top it with Witch Hazel. Okay? And they even sell the Witch Hazel. You can use theirs. If you want to get it all in one spot, you can literally go to this one website and buy it all. Okay? Their shipping is very reasonable. I think the prices are reasonable. And if you if you got let's say you got two bottles of their witch hazel, eight ounces. <coughs> let's say you get four of the glass spray bottles. Okay, you can buy that; they're not that expensive. And then you have this Sparks Natural Shield Blend, which is going to give you a ton of drops of this. You can make four two ounce glass spray bottles and and like give one to each member of your family. If if you have a bigger family or if you have more places you want it, buy more. Okay. And you can have this wherever you go. You can keep one in your car. You can keep a couple in the house. You can whatever. And this is something that you could always have on hand as a sanitizer. Um, whether it's a surface, whether it's your own hands, whether it's, let's say, you get in a scenario where you know there's the potential for Ebola. And let's say this is all you've got. Let's say this is all you've got. This and a surgical mask. Okay? You could literally spray it on the outside of the surgical mask and even on the inside so that if even a Ebola virus was sucked through there, there's a good likelihood it's going to come in contact with this essential oil blend and it will be killed. Not only that, you're going to be breathing in this, which is like also another potential way that it can be killed. I'm trying to give you every little possible way that you might want to think about protecting yourself even if you're on a budget. Because this is one of the cheaper ways to go about protecting yourself. Granted, it's going to do very little to build up your immune system, okay, like the vitamins and minerals would. It's not going to act in the same way as a mild silver protein, 5,000 part per million will. But it is one way that this virus could be killed, okay? So, just saying, um, and I'm not benefiting from this in any I don't have anything to do with this company that's selling this stuff. Um, going further, it says one more note. The shield blend is actually an ancient blend based upon legend. Okay, I already, already went over that. Um, now, if you would like to make your own, here's the version that includes lavender from a lady named Rebecca Schiffhauer. And this tells you how to make your own Thieves blend or the shield blend. And it tells you how many drops of clove, lemon, eucalyptus, cinnamon, lavender, and rosemary.
to all put in a bottle, and then you've made it yourself. Now, the problem there is that you've got to have all of these essential oils um, <clears throat> already in your possession. And in this case, it's six. So it would cost you a lot more money to buy all six of those essential oils than to just go ahead and buy the, the one shield blend because it has it all in one. It's a combination of products. So, but it may, maybe you already have them on hand. I actually looked, and I've got, I think, every one of these on hand. But, you know, not everybody has that, okay? And just from a convenience standpoint, you know exactly with this blend, you know, you can make it and then and then have a whole bunch left over to make more, you know, if you buy a couple bottles of witch hazel as, as well. So, anyway, these are... You combine all these essential oils and store in a dark 50-milliliter glass bottle, particularly one with a sprayer, because then you can atomize or aerosolize the spray. Uh, good, good stuff, okay? Good stuff, what I just told you, and cost-effective as well. Now, let's go further. Uh, U.S. government is seeking to test Ebola vaccine on humans. This came out July 21st from Reuters. July 31st, I'm sorry. Reuters. The U.S. government will begin testing on people an experimental Ebola vaccine as early as September. As early as September. Now remember, we have the, the show I talked a lot about lately, I Am Legend. The whole whiz-bang cure for cancer, unfortunately, turned you into a zombie. You know, I don't know if it was a year or two or three yet later, but you got turned into a zombie. That was the price you had to pay, hey? You know. So, bear in mind... The Spanish flu of 1918, 1919, which is what I talked about, I'll give you a link to my original presentation I did in Topeka, Kansas, back in 2006. I'm going to give you a link to that later. What I talked about there and what I proved, and it wasn't me, it was eyewitness testimony that the people that got the vaccines in that particular time area, the Spanish flu of 1918, 1919, that killed conservatively 50 million people, that universally they had all gotten the vaccines. Men, hale and hearty one day, died the Black Death Plague in like a day or two after taking after receiving the vaccines. Back then it was easier to suppress information. You didn't have the media. You didn't have a lot of the what we have today. Cover-up could be made a lot quicker, easier. So, <laughs> Bear in mind, the vaccine that they would come out for this, and see, the more desperate people are, the more they can get away with. It's another thing to think about. Um, the National Institutes of Health Infectious Disease Unit is working with the U.S. Food and Drug Administration to put the vaccine into trial as quickly as possible, according to CNN and USA Today. I bet they are. So that's another big thing about what we're talking about here, that I'm going to be talking about next here as well in the next report. Okay, let's go further. This is from Natural News, and this is entitled, Ebola Outbreak May Already Be Uncontrollable. Monsanto invests in Ebola treatment drug company as pandemic spreads. So, I kept thinking when I was putting the study together, well, okay, I got enough information. And then I'd go up and I'd see another report, and I'm like, wow, they're covering a whole other different angle that I didn't even know about, and this just happened in the last week. So this is a whole other can of worms that I'm getting ready to cover. Um, 
So, a global outbreak of deadly Ebola is underway and has crossed national borders. One infected victim of the horrifying disease flew on international flights, vomiting on board, exposing hundreds of people to the deadly virus, which can be transmitted through airborne particles. Ebola has an 8 to 10 day incubation period. He's wrong, it's it's 2 to 21. And I think it depends on who you're consulting. I think it's on average, let's say, 8 to 10, but it can be up to 2 to 21. That means that thousands of people could be carrying it right now and spreading it across cities of the world without even knowing it. Passengers in Hong Kong and the UK have already shown symptoms of the disease and are being tested, reports USA Today. And this is all referenced, this report. The Peace Corps has evacuated its volunteers from the region after two were exposed to Ebola. With apologies to the victims who have suffered the horrible fate of Ebola, I'm offering a medically accurate description here as a warning to everybody else. Believe me when I say you do not want to contract Ebola. Warning, graphic information below. Okay, graphic, he's saying graphic language. Well, it's not like we're going to be cussing, but it's graphic information. I'm going to, I'm going to. I think what he meant by language is just the verbiage. Um, I'm just changing that to information. Anyway, Ebola is a gruesome disease that causes cells in the body to self-destruct, resulting in massive internal and external bleeding. In its late stages, Ebola can cause the victim to experience convulsions, vomiting, and bleeding from the eyes and ears while convulsing any bodily orifice, really. Flinging blood all over the room and anyone standing nearby, thereby infecting those people as well. You see what a potential mess this would be if you had, let's say you had multiple people doing this at once in a closed area. How could you not contract it unless you were in a full bioprotective gear? This gruesome ending is the reason Ebola spreads so effectively. The virus weaponizes the blood, then causes the, the victim to fling it around on everyone else, almost like you might see depicted in some zombie horror movie. Hemorrhaging symptoms begin four to five days after the onset of symptoms, and which means hemorrhagic conjunctivitis, meaning that means bleeding out of your eyes, pharyngitis, uh, your um, <clears throat> pharynx, your throat, Hurts, bleeding gums, oral and lip ulcerations, vomiting blood, melina, which is black feces associated with gastrointestinal hemorrhage. If you have black colored stool, that's a very good indicator that you're getting bleeding in the upper GI area. Okay, If it's red, if it's literal blood in the stool, you're bleeding from the colon. Okay, That's how you know the difference. Let's say you're getting gastric bleeding or small intestinal bleeding. Your your stool will tend to be black. But once it gets into the colon, it's going to be more like a blood color. You're going to see blood in the stool, and that's lower intestinal bleeding. Just so you know, for future reference. Um, hematuria, which is blood in the urine. Epista- epistaxis, which is nosebleeds and vaginal bleeding. Reporting, reported, reports the Uh, This was reported by the Pathogen Safety Data Sheet from the Public Health Agency of Canada. And again, all these things are referenced. That same publication also explains there's no known antiviral treatments available for human infections. So they're basically openly saying we don't have any treatments. Read that again. There's no known treatments for human infections. Sierra Leone's top Ebola doctor tragically died yesterday from an Ebola infection. 
Although well-trained in infectious disease, he, even he, underestimated the ability of this insidious killer to leap from person to person. And yet, medical staff around the world still aren't exercising sufficient precautions when interfacing with infected patients. One chilling development worth investigating further is that Tecmyra Pharmaceuticals, a company working on an anti-Ebola drug, just received 1.5 million cash infusion from none other than Monsanto. Satan incarnate in company form, Monsanto. They just put 1.5 million cash on working on an Ebola drug from this, this Tecmyra Pharmaceuticals. You can click here, there's a link here to see the press release, which states, Tecmyra Pharmaceuticals Corporation is a biopharmaceutical company focused on advancing novel RNAi therapeutics. RNA is ribonucleic acid. Okay, you've heard of DNA, and then there's like it's, and then you have RNA. These are similar. So, they're advancing novel RNA, RNAi therapeutics and providing its leading lipid nanoparticle delivery technology to pharmaceutical partners. Now, you see a lot with nano, nano stuff now. I try to stay away from stuff that says nano. Because you're, you're dealing potentially with, you know, like I talked about before, injectable nano chips that they can literally, they've had for a lot and a lot of years, where you can literally put injectable microchips into vaccines. <clears throat> and this is using nanoparticles in their delivery system, using some RNA and who knows what it does to your actual genetic makeup. I wouldn't trust it. Okay. So, the money from Monsanto is reportedly related to the company's developed RNAi technology used in agriculture. The deal is valued at up to $86.2 million. Another press release about Tikmyra revealed a $140 million contract with the U.S. military for Ebola treatment drugs. So now, they're yoked up with the U.S. military and Monsanto? You know, there's no red flags there. Uh, Tikmyra... Ebola is a anti-Ebola RNAi therapeutic and is being developed on a $141 million contract with the U.S. Department of Defense's Medical Countermeasure Systems Biodefense Therapeutics Joint Product Management Office. I mean, talk about a long name. Additionally, Tecmyra partnerships are listed at this Tecmyra webpage and then there's all these other pharmaceutical companies that are yoked up with them as well. Huge, huge red flag. It's like, it's like you know, saying to Satan, Satan, can you, can you be a good boy and play nice and develop a nice Ebola uh, vaccine for us that'll be effective and help humanity? And Satan says, Oh, of course I can deliver that. Yes, sir, Bob, I'll get right on it, and I'm and I'm going to be above board, and I'm going to do you right. And um, I'm going to have a lot of happy customers when all this is said and done. And you can trust me, because you know, if my name's not Satan, you know, you, you can trust me. I mean, come on. So anyway, that, basically that's what we're talking about here. Okay? Sorry, I keep sugarcoating things. So, um, additionally, 
No, so a whole lot of people are going to have raised eyebrows over the fact that Monsanto just happened to be giving a cash infusion to a key pharma company working on an Ebola, quote, vaccine right in the middle of a highly publicized Ebola outbreak, which could create huge market demand for the drugs. And the fact that the U.S. Department of Defense is also involved with this is all going to have alternative news websites digging hard for additional links. Again, this is just the infancy of them discovering this information. Sadly, the history of medicine reveals that drug companies, the CDC, and the WHO have repeatedly played up the severity of disease outbreaks in order to promote sales of treatment drugs. I'm not saying this outbreak isn't a very real and alarming thing, of course. It is real, but we also have to be suspicious when windfall profits just happen to line up for certain corporations following global outbreaks of infectious diseases. Hey, listen, I hope that nothing comes of any of this. You know? Just like, but that's a big reason I did that tour back in 06. So that I could create enough public awareness that hopefully it would derail the Illuminati's plans at that time to implement an H5N1 bird flu pandemic. The more public awareness that is created about their plans and schemes, the less likelihood they're going to implement it. And I've been doing it ever since when different things cropped up, whether it's swine flu, H5N1, now we're talking about Ebola, there's been other things along the way. And so, that's that's what the actual goal is. Vaccine manufacturers, remember, made billions off the swine flu scare, which I did like, I don't know how many teachings on that and tens of millions of dollars in stockpiled swine flu vaccines later had to be destroyed by the governments that panicked and purchased them. Air travel creates the perfect storm for Ebola to devastate humanity. It all starts with these irrefutable facts about air travel. Number one, all passengers are confined to the same enclosed space. Two, all passengers are breathing the same air. Three, and again, this is where one of those personal ozonators would be really good to have. Around your neck, running with a some type of bare minimum mask, but that's not going to protect your eyes. Remember, the virus can get in the mucous membrane of your, of your eye. So the personal ozonator would protect that airspace to a certain extent, but you're not going to have your mouth or your eyes really covered um, most of the time. So, just something to think about. Because you really are in a, in a scenario where you're just breathing the same air as everyone else, and one person on that plane could be infecting everybody. Ebola can become airborne via very small particles in the air, and just a single Ebola virus riding on a dust particle is sufficient to infect a human being. Following the flight, infected passengers then intermingle with thousands of other people at the airport each going to a different, unique destination somewhere else across the country, around the world. Now, remember, though, it takes it's, it's a 2-21 to day incubation period. So, you're not going to just get off the flight, you've just been infected with Ebola, and pass it to somebody else. You have to start showing symptoms before that happens. So, that's not... I mean, yes, if you were an infected passenger that just started dis- displaying symptoms and they didn't pick up on it, sure, you could go out into the terminal and infect a whole bunch of people. Yeah, 100%. But the person that just got infected on the plane is not going to go on and do that. Because they haven't even got through the incubation period yet. So let's not get like too crazy with that one.
Five, the speed of air travel vastly outpaces the speed of governments being able to, to deploy infectious disease prevents team prevention teams. Okay, a global pandemic wipeout <clears throat> from Ebola, in other words, could originate from a single person on a single international flight, and it could circle the globe in less than forty-eight hours. Uh, again, very, very, very similar to what we saw in that show outbreak that I had mentioned earlier. Probably the most ringing true similar scenario of any show I've ever watched. And it's funny because I really felt convicted I needed to go back and revisit that show. And that's why I did that update on it not too long ago on Outbreak. And just can Outbreak, and you should be able to find it in the keyword search box at contendingfortruth.com. And I wasn't even talking about Ebola, I'm pretty sure, in that teaching. Let's go further. Uh, So just how much Ebola virus does it take to infect someone? Alarmingly, as the Public Health Agency of Canada explains, 1 to 10 aerosolized organisms are sufficient to cause an infection in humans. That's unbelievable. 1 to 10? These things are like microscopic. Read that again. It just takes one aerosolized organism, a microscopic virus riding on a dust particle, to cause a full-blown infection in humans. This is why one man vomiting on an international flight can infect dozens or hundreds of the people all at once. Some experts fear that it has already happened. As the Daily Mail reports, Nigerian health experts are in the process of trying to trace 30,000 people believed to be at risk of contracting the highly infectious virus following the death of Patrick Sawyer in Lagos. It comes as a Nigerian actor, Jim Like, sparked outrage, posting a picture of himself wearing an Ebola mask while sitting in a first-class airport lounge as he fled Liberia. Liberia is another place that's really... I think that was ground zero for this outbreak, just about. Uh, Let's go further. Dave Hodges of the Common Sense Show reports that, quote, a desperate search is on to find the hundreds of passengers who flew in the same jets as Sawyer. A total of 59 passengers and crew are estimated to have come in contact with Sawyer, and an effort is being made to track down each individual. There is an inherent problem, though, with this track down. Presumably, some of the passengers connected to other flights, which is known to be the case. Let's just say, for the sake of argument, that only 20 people, a low estimate given in the nature of the airport, saw Sawyer traveling in, were connecting to other flights. Um, The spread of the virus would quickly expand beyond the possibility of containment. Because in less than half a day, nearly half a million people would be... No, that's not true. It's not true. That's wrong. Because remember, it's a 2 to 21 day incubation period. Those people aren't just going to automatically go out and infect other people. He's wrong when he says that. Okay, so I don't want to get too alarmist here. Uh, You have to start showing symptoms, remember. Then you're contagious. So, what could happen, though, is those people that he was exposed to on any flight or any people he was exposed to in the airport, any of those that he did infect could have went their respective ways, and then at some point when they start uh, showing symptoms, then they could become potential agents of spreading the Ebola, okay? But let's not get too wacky here and and, and start saying things that, that of that nature because that's just going over overboard. <clears throat> um, 
So anyway, let's go further here. Okay, so if we go further, uh, witnesses saw Sawyer, a 40-year-old Liberian finance ministry employee, en route to a conference in Nigeria. He was vomiting and had diarrhea aboard at least one of his flights, with some other 50 passengers on board. Nobody is yet talking about what all this might mean if a large U.S. city shows an outbreak of infections. Will the federal government use the military to quarantine an an entire city? Ultimately, it will. And make no mistake, this possibility is already written up and is on the books for national emergencies. One declaration of martial law is all that is required to seal off an entire U.S. city at gunpoint. Although the federal government's official reaction to all this is low-key, in truth, the U.S. government is rapidly preparing for the possibility of an Ebola outbreak reaching the continental USA. And again, the the borders are totally open wide, and it's being done on purpose. It is... Is that one of the main, if not the main reasons that this is all really being done? To make this just incredibly easy and simple to happen? And they can just blame it on uh, the border being overwhelmed when they've done everything to open up the border and they've taken all the border patrol agents off off their duties and they're making sure that they're, you know, the fencing is a joke and and that that really no, um, there's no... Real enforcement of the borders? Well, you just have to ask yourself, I mean, from a satanic standpoint, that would make a lot of sense to do something like this. Um, As reported above, the U.S. Department of Defense already has a $140 million contract awarded to Tecmyra for its Ebola, Ebola treatment drugs. Additionally, another report reads... The Department of Defense informed Congress that it has deployed biological diagnostic systems to National Guard support teams in all 50 states. I think this is what we were referencing in that first video in Part 1, where I told you it looked like this vehicle that looked like it had a big, huge camper on it with like these, they call them chimneys, but these air filtering things on top. I think that's what we're in reference to. This is according to a report published by the Committee on Armed Services, some 340 joint biological agent identification and diagnostic system units have been, yeah, JBADs, that's what we were talking about, have been thus far been given to emergency response personnel. The systems are rapid, reliable, and provide simultaneous identification of specific biological agents and pathogens. On one hand, we might all applaud the government's preparedness actions on this. It's smart to have diagnostic systems deployed nationwide, of course. But it begs the question, when was the government planning on telling the public about all this? Probably never. Um, there's no sense in causing a panic when one half the people won't survive an outbreak anyway, they figure. Well, not only that, they're doing everything they can do fa- to facilitate this by having a wide open border. And by doing very little to really prevent the, the spread of this. I mean, they're bringing infected patients into the United States. There's so many plausible reasons or excuses they could use where they could blame it on one thing and say, well, this is why it got out, sorry. You know. I also need to make you urgently aware that Ebola is a perfect bioweapon because of its ability to survive storage and still function many days, weeks or later. It could be very easily harvested from infected victims and then preserved using nothing more than a common food dehydrator. As the Public Health Agency of Canada explains, the virus can survive in a liquid or dried material for a number of days, up to 23. Uh, Infectivity is found to be stable at room temperature 
or at 4 degrees Celsius for several days and indefinitely stable at negative 70 degrees Celsius. To translate this into layman's terms, this means the Ebola virus can be stored in a liquid vial and easily smuggled across international borders, dehydrated and stored in a dried state and then easily smuggled, frozen at a very low temperature where it remains viable indefinitely, and once dried, contained, or frozen, Ebola pathogens can be smuggled into target countries with ridiculous ease. In the United States, for example, people can literally walk right through our southern open borders with zero security whatsoever. Once inside the target country, a bioweapons terrorist could then easily infect people in public transit hubs such as subway stations, airports, bus stations, and so on. Unfortunately, spraying a few Ebola particles into people's faces is ridiculously easy especially if the terrorist carrying out the activities decides he is on a suicide mission. Like, you know who, Mr. Muslim, who thinks they're going to die for Allah and be with their 72 virgins and white-skinned boys for, for eternity. Well, you know, that's going to be nothing to them. Who, who they basically say, we love death more than you love life. That's their message to Israel. We love death more than you love life. That's literally their Hamas's slogan. Um, and these are people that don't care about self-exposure. <clears throat> An Ebola outbreak in a major U.S. city would quite literally threaten the public health of the entire nation. That's why an open borders policy in the middle of a global Ebola outbreak is the height of insanity. Think about it. America is a country where public health officials freak out and go crazy when two children acquire whooping cough in a public school in Maryland. But when tens of thousands of people are streaming into the country that are just infested with diseases, unbounded with near, near, with near zero medical scrutiny in the middle of an international Ebola outbreak, federal officials almost do nothing about it at all. If there is an Ebola outbreak in the United States, this is most likely how it will arrive. Okay, so I'm out of time on part two. Let's go to part three next. God bless you.